So you could spot the face like a mile away, right? You look at a guy and you're like, oh, that guy's on the sauce, right? Because he's puffy. But right. we wore it like a badge of honor. Like yeah. we didn't care how our face looked. Like I hear guys now like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't like, um, I don't like to push my test over 400. I feel like my face gets puffy. And I was like, I'm like my head just, my head cocks to the side like a dog that doesn't understand what his owner's saying. <laughs> like, like, what? What do you mean you don't like your face getting puffy? I don't understand why that's relevant. And like, well, I don't <laughs> like my face getting puffy. Like, that never even occurred to us. You expect it to blow up like a pumpkin because yeah. it's off season. It's time to get massive, bro. <laughs> like, and there and- it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It's Just Bodybuilding. Myself, Big Ron Parlow. I'm here with Dusty Hanshaw and the producer, Scott McNally. Remember to like, share, subscribe, comment, and... Ring the bell. There you go, Dusty. And remember, I am Mutant.com. Mutant, hardcore sponsors of the show. Always taking care of us. Me and Dusty sporting the shirts today. And Dusty's got the hat. And remember, go to IamMutant.com and use Dusty20 or Big Ron20 and get your 20% off. I know you just had a Black Friday uh, splurge. Everyone spent some money this weekend. So um, uh, the money you have left, go spend it now. (laughs) IamMutant.com. There you go. And if not, you can go over to the Think Big Bodybuilding Patreon and you can keep a producer homed. Yes, thank you guys, everybody, for supporting the Patreon. You guys are freaking awesome. I've been releasing content early over there, so just to try to say thank you to you guys, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're also really uh, uh, happy with how everyone is reacting to our React videos. Yeah. Those are going good. We had a lot of fun with the Marcus Rule one and the last couple that we put up, so, uh, you know, good times. And I will say that Dennis James messaged me and said, hey, I love what you guys did with the reaction video. So Dennis wants to come on the show. So we got <laughs> to organize something with Dennis. We should do you know, that. I know, we should do that. I know we just had a guest on. So I know we like to space our guests out a little bit. We tend to. So People, <laughs> uh, people still have been saying Lee Priest as well. They want Lee Priest on. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and we do have to have Lee on. And, uh, and he'd be a good reaction video. Oh, too. I've been waiting yeah. to get Lee on. I wonder if we could get Lee on and do a reaction video with him now that would be fun oh, that'd be you know what best. i mean maybe we could narrow it down to like a few videos and then ask lee which one he thought he had the most to say about yeah and, and maybe not even get, like maybe what if it's not even him what if we react to like one of his friends that he knew yeah, yeah, yeah. well at that time you know that That's could be cool saying. let let him kind of pick you know what i mean we'll yeah. narrow it down it, for him okay it'd be like a domino <laughs> effect though We'd have the reaction video with Lee, and then we could do a reaction video to our video of what Lee said. Of Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you believe he said that part? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here comes the thing where he says the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What do we have first question? Wasn't it something about training partners? Yeah, Dusty, yes. you, Dusty put up a thread, not even, a, not even like a Q&A box in the stories. You put up an actual post, right? Yes, I did. Uh, I went straight post this time because I decided we'll see how this works. And it actually turned out much better than I expected. I think I put up this morning, we got like 48 questions already. So that was pretty solid. Oh, damn. Okay. Nice. Okay. Um, so the good news is we only probably respond to like two of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll start a really important one and then like get sidetracked. So yeah, yeah. it'll yeah. be perfect. Yeah. yeah As we was, jump uh, from third place finisher to sixth place finisher. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Typical. Okay. 
But yeah, the question was was more or less just what makes a good training partner, like features, characteristics, right. things like that. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Um, well, first off, these guys they got to be like consistent and reliable. Yes. Like that's my number one rule with any anyone, I guess, in my life is they have to be reliable. <laughs> You know, like reliability. I like, like that you huge. paused that. You're like with anyone. <laughs> yeah, pretty much anyone. Like reliability is like a huge, huge factor. Whether yep. you're just my dry cleaner or <laughs> my training partner, right? You know, I uh, I don't like making changes like unnecessarily. I don't like sidetracking what I'm doing to figure out a solution for someone else to do this thing that I need done. So if you're my dry cleaner or something like that, just be consistent and reliable and do what you do. Yeah. And, and, and don't give me any hassles and you will remain my dry cleaner probably forever. Like that's just <laughs> how I am. You know what I mean? Like, so um, that's how it is with training partners, like reliability. And you, I don't know, there's a certain vibe that you can't put your finger on. It's going to be fun to train with a guy, you know, like, yep. you know, some people, some people are grumpy when they get to the gym all the time because they just come from work and they're yeah. just always grumpy. And, you know, like I, I've, I, you know what I mean? Like everyone's kind of had that, that experience where you're training with someone who kind of shows up grumpy a lot. Like, you know, or you go to train with someone, they show up grumpy. It's always like, you know, if it's a normal thing, that's a difficult factor. Strength was never the number one thing because some of my best training partners were like two plates weaker than me on everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and then some of my best training, like my, my, you know, when I was young, I was a plate weaker on everything than my best training partners. So, you know, like I never really worried about that. It was always about like bringing some energy. You know, you can't be dozy and yawning and not wanting to do extra reps, you know? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'll, I'll be very quiet to start the workout. Like I almost probably seem low energy, but then when the first work set comes, I flick the switch. Sure. And then, right. and then I've even had like, you know, my training partners even made the odd comment like, oh, okay, we're off. We're starting. You know, yeah. we're starting. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like that's happened before. So, so uh, you got to be able to flip that switch. Like, I know what it's like to show up to the gym distracted or show up to the gym, like just having dealt with something or show up to the gym tired. But you see it in people. There's people that can flick that switch. Yep. And they're like, oh, we're training now. The workout has begun. All the bullshit has stopped. Um, mm -hmm. it's, you know, and it's going to be like this for the next hour and a bit, and there's not going to be any real interruptions of any kind. And, uh, and then having said that, like the serious level has to be high, but then there also has to be that ability to just like, you have to be able to like step out banter. for 20 seconds and have something, yeah. you know, you got something to say and then you step yeah. back into it, you know? <laughs> so, so there's that. I don't know. Lots of things. I can't what hit their shoes Scott? either, Dusty. Oh, they can't be rolling up in Crocs out of sport mode. That's for sure. Uh, there's a couple of dress code things. Also, you can't be my training partner if you're wearing like nipple stringers all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Flexing be between laying, every set yeah, and everything. Laying yeah. on my bench and then you're leaving like you're all wet on the, your bench is all wet all the time and you're not like, and then what, you get towel it off yeah. every time you're not doing that? Yeah, there's, there's etiquette. There's, I, th I think there's two ideal positions that I've been in as a training, like a regular training partner. Number one is training with the guy who knows more than you and you're following his lead 
and and you're keeping up with him, you're learning new things. And then number two is training with the guy that you're ahead of that wants to catch up to you and he's learning from you. And, and in both cases, number like in the first case, you're trying your best to keep up with the guy. In the second case, you're doing your best to set a good example. And I think either one of those situations can can lead to a better workout. You know, I noticed mm-hmm. like when I when I lived out west, I did a lot of hiking. And there were times I went hiking by myself, and there were times that I went hiking with a friend. And when you're hiking with a friend, it always pushes you along faster. And so that's the number one thing. I want a training partner to bring something positive to to carry the workout. I don't want a guy that I have to keep telling like, oh, you gotta get going, man. Come on, get back on the machine. You know, like you said, being able to unplug for 20 seconds is cool. But if you start telling the story and I have to tell you like, hey guy, we gotta get back into the workout here. It's it's too long and I'm not gonna, Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna enjoy that. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing, and I know we've talked about this topic before, is the being able to just focus on the workout, not bringing the other life stuff into it, you know? And I think that's what you mean, Ron, by by flipping the switch. I think that's, and yeah. I know we have talked about that a bunch of times in the past. I think you were saying that, you, you've said that before, Dusty, haven't you, about, didn't you have a guy that uh, had a bunch of relationship issues and stuff like that, and he just wanted to keep going on and on about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah that's no the, character. I don't care I right now, myself, that was the story. Yeah, yeah. I, said, I said, I care, I just don't care right now. Yeah. So bring bring this up when we're on the outside of this gym and we'll go get a coffee. I think you, you guys both nailed the, the biggest things. Um, my first, my absolute first thing is what Ron said, which is the reliability. Like nothing I hate worse than when someone's meeting me to train and like we're supposed to start and they're not there. And I'm trying to like get going a little bit and I'm kind of still watching the door. Like, Listen, things happen, especially because most of my training partners in, in life have had jobs and things, kids. Yeah, it's going to happen occasionally. It's a big deal. And as long as when I walk into the door of the gym, I know I'm here alone today, we're fine. But yeah. that other shit, no. And then when <laughs> they do show up, they're, you know, getting going and they're all, I'm like, well, you are, you messed me up. I recentered. Now you're f- me up again. Like, don't do that. You know, right. I, I've had, I think I've had more luck with good training partners than anyone I've ever known. Yeah. Like I've just had good luck. I mean, my training partners are for years when I train yeah. with them. Um, and I think a lot of it is because, like Ron said, I tend to train with people that I would associate with anyways. So I'm not like, I don't have to stop you, like you said, Scott, from talking. Yeah. It'll be a quick remark. Then without any words, you get going. And I do feel like, I mean, Tommy and I have said this before, like you'll get done with some of the best workouts and go, I don't think we spoke at all. <laughs> yeah, like, sometimes nothing, yeah. You know, and then other times, there, you know, there's little wisecracks constantly throughout the workout. But again, yeah. as soon as you get rolling, it's time to go, you know. So I think that those are, are great moments. But the big one is a reliability. And, and for me, it has to be someone who's driven to be there. Uh, on the flip, I've had a couple training partners who weren't bodybuilders, had no desire to be bodybuilders. Um, one of my best training partners was a um, maintenance guy, and he just liked to train hard. And I'll never forget uh, when I realized just how good he was. It was when I was really young and getting started. Um, he had hurt him. He had hurt his hand. And he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to be." Doctor said, "I'm going to be out for like four weeks." And I was like, "All right, cool." And I trained at five in the morning at the time. 
So I come into the gym the next day at 5 a.m. and he's standing there. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm still going to spot you. He came <laughs> yeah, five days a week for four weeks to spot me. And I was like, like for most people, that's a checkout. You know what I mean? Oh, I'll be back yeah, in yeah, four yeah. weeks. Right. Literally yeah. can't. And I told him, I was like, bro, it's five in the morning. Like, you don't have to come in. He's like, yeah, I do. And, and it was like, funny because like, he's, he's also he also knows I'm a bastard because he goes, you might replace me. I was like, I might. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't point. want you seeing any other girls while he was at home. Yeah, you know how yeah. that works. Oh, your girlfriend's gonna be out of town for a month. All right. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, I know what you mean about the non-competitors. Like, I my best friend Scott was my training partner for like a couple of years at one point, and you know he had. He was totally natural. He had no, you know, bodybuilder identity at all. He was just my best buddy, but he liked to work out. And yeah. he just loved to come to the gym and train hard. And he was like the best spotter ever, you know? And, mm -hmm. you know, he'd seen blood and guts a thousand times <laughs> and he, he knew everyone and he'd come to all my shows. And like, so he was totally into it as like, you know, a bodybuilding fan. And he just loved to go to the gym and train and, and that was, a, you know, that was, those are great, great days. Plus, you know, in a way too, it was like very selfish because the workout was all about me. It was whatever right. I wanted to do. Sure. Oh, totally. like, I, like it was totally all about me because he didn't give a shit. So I'd be like, okay, we're squatting today and then we're going to do leg press and we're going to do drop sets on the hack. He's like, okay, let's go. Yep. And it was just yep. like, you know, into it. And, and uh, so that was a lot of fun, you know? And then my, another one of my best training partners ever was like four years my buddy Forrest, who's totally natural, he's a natural bodybuilder, but like, mm -hmm. you know, that guy, man, that guy just, you couldn't bury that guy, you know? I was like at my very, very biggest training with him and he was, you know, very, very natural and he was just <laughs> hanging with me and, you know, going hard and pushing me and so those were those were good times. But yeah, it's uh, it's not always about like, you know, training with the, another f person who's doing exactly what you're doing, you yeah. know? I think you get lucky too. Like my like current training partner we have on Sundays, John, that trains with Nikki and I. In a very short amount of time, he figured out my strength numbers. So like we're doing like a movement I've we've never done or a rep range we've never done, and I'm starting to get a little tired, you know. And it's a high rep set, and he'll go ten more. And as I'm going, I'll get to like seven, and in my head, I'm like, I got more than that. And he'll go seven more, and I'm like, and it's always almost exactly what I was thinking. I'm like. Oh, you know where that line is. He's for me got now. a good that, speed gauge. Yeah. He, and that pays yeah. off enormously because there's two things that I think are terrible that I've experienced with training partners. Number one is like you're starting to get tired on a movement and you got like one or two reps. Like I go seven more and you're like, are yeah, hi. Like you're out like, to lunch. <laughs> you know, or on the reverse, you know, you're, you're getting rolling. You know, they're like one more rep and you're like, I'm not even fatigued. You yeah. know, you need like, yeah. I'd rather you said nothing if you're those two, but it, it is nice because it's been, it, he's never said a number that wasn't feasible. Like even I was like, Ooh, that's a little further. And I was thinking, all right, let's roll, you know, right. cause you know, he's a good spot. So if I miss, I'm not like going to die. I'm just going to push it out of the way. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that those are the, the, just some of the good luck things that usually takes years to get to, Yeah, you know, and I'm like, and we, we train once a week for like a few months and you figured this out. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Yes. I know what you mean about the high rep sets, kind of being able to predict where you're at and yeah. And you hear them and you're like, oh, that's what I just decided too. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Just thinking I know. the same stupid idea. Good thinking. And and about the uh, also too about the comment about ha- being able to like crack make a wise crack here and there. I think like I remember back in the day like we we assumed Dorian and Leroy were just literally screaming at each other the whole time. But <laughs> but you know that's not what was happening they were very 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 serious but there was you know little jokes little cracks here and there you gotta you gotta make the the process can't just be two grumpy guys not talking all the time yeah right you know what i mean there's got to be a little bit of yeah it's got to be fun so whether you're ribbing each other or there's a bit of a running joke that you always kind of don't even have to speak about you know like there's always you know you get your training partners and best buddies and stuff you get those little running jokes where you just look at each other and you roll your eyes and the other guy knows exactly what you're talking about and there's a little chuckle and then you get into your set like that that stuff is also part of what makes it fun and and you know it's it's i mean if if you look at it realistically at the end of the day our workout is such a significant portion of our life because it's every day for two hours for like 30 years like you know what i mean at this point so yeah. if you know you're it's it's it really matters who you spend that time with right oh, like yeah. you wouldn't give that many hours up to just anybody and yep. so it's got to be someone <laughs> who's like fun to be with like it has to be fun at the end of the day whether you're squatting five plates with a nosebleed and yelling come on motherfucker you know or whether you're doing drop sets on something and you're cracking jokes calling each other pussies or something there's got to be some fun absolutely like, you know, and and at the end of the day, you can't do this for that long every single day if there's no fun. And so, you know, I mean, right now, like, you know, Braden's in like, you know, real serious mode where he's competing at a high level and stuff. And, you know, I just trying to set a great example with form and consistency and intensity and make sure he trains safely. But we also want to have fun every day. There's a couple of jokes every day. There's no day that he gets away without. I got to give him a couple jokes every day. He's always giving me. If like, it's funny, so we have a good time, you know. Absolutely. So I encourage everyone to remember that. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you want you got you you want to fire off a question, Ron, or do you need me to do one while you figure out your next one? I got. Um, we have like I loads thought, of questions from yeah, from everyone. You so have, you, just kinda, you had you had one that we had lined up for next. I thought. Oh, we well, yeah. I have the. Uh, this is actually a pretty solid one that I thought was good. Um, best nationals you've ever seen. What yes. year it was, and which competitors made it so good? And we all agreed on this one quickly. So, Ron, go ahead and uh, drop well, the obvious. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't sure of the year until you Googled it, but I, I always thought that the '91 nationals was kind of seen as like, you know, kind of a crazy sort of perfect storm. Um, just for who was who was in that lineup that day? You want to pull that up? Yeah, I so guess it would have been the heavyweight the, the, class. Yeah, the heavyweight class. The the first call out was Flex Wheeler, Kevin Lavroni, Paul DeMaio, and Ronnie Coleman. Yeah, yeah. Think and of Ronnie those Coleman. names as amateurs. And then, and by the way, if you go look at the pictures, they they looked like pros. Then they were all ready to be pros that day. Yeah, and you want to know who was seventh that year? Who's that? Chris Cormier. <laughs> seventh. seventh didn't make the top sixth, five. Sixth was Bob Chicarello. No kidding. And, and fifth was Matt Mendenhall. 
oh, the great God, Matt Mendenhall. Yeah, he was unreal. So like that that's your top that's your top 7. Then Edgar Fletcher was 8th, who was another like legendary amateur who never did turn pro but was always just unbelievable. But yeah, like the the depth at at the Nationals back then in the heavyweight class was pretty staggering. Ronnie and and it's like a 200 and like 220 pound Ronnie too. That's the thing. Like when you look at the pictures, you're just like, "Damn." Well, well you know? what other nationals? I mean, and obviously the USA's right around the same time was kind of similar. But did you have three guys in a call out at a, at a amateur level that all ended up being in the top three of the Olympia, and and sometimes together, all three of them? I mean, think about that. They've been battling each other that tightly since '91, all yeah, the way no to kidding. when Ronnie decided to separate himself from the humans. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the competition kind no. of ended, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I don't I know. Think it's great to look back at those, though, because um, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like because of magazines and the lack of information we had on on current people at our fingertips, uh, a lot of guys my age and older were students of the game like we really looked back i mean i wasn't into bodybuilding until like the 2000s but i went back and looked at those shows and looked at the champions and and realized what the gaps were compared to um where i was even where the where the top guys were you know right and and there there has been a change in in that regard like i do feel like sometimes you can mention a guy's name to like a top amateur and he'll be like who and you're like right how do you you know like you said i mean there are amateurs i know of that number one in this day and age and in our day and age so it's not like a shot on this day and age would have been pros for sure like they they just had bad luck of being coming in in the 90 to 95 era and and would have been winning overalls if they competed when when i was yeah, there is I think one thing that we forget about is the like the quality of guys that are turning pro are fantastic. Like it's it, it was just that things were bottlenecked back then. Yeah. So there was, you know, this this restriction, there were so few pro cards that the those those levels just man, the, the amazing guys just piled up on them. And and you know, nowadays we don't have that bottlenecking. So you still have like like awesome guys coming into the pro ranks, mind boggling, like the new level of bodybuilder yeah. that we're seeing coming up, you know, but, but I mean like, you know, that Nexilla guy that just showed like, these yeah. are the guys that are rising to the top now because it's, it's, it's crazy, but we're not getting bottlenecking. Like that guy comes right through and turns pro. He doesn't run into six, seven other crazy, you know, yeah. Uh, and you know spend the next five years placing top five at nationals before he gets his card you know like chris cormier in seventh that year you know chris had to like come back the next year and get you know get another you know fifth and then come back again and now he's top two and then you know what i'm like that sort of thing like so you know whereas cormier was still cormier in 91 like probably could have just given him a pro card and told him to come back in a couple years and hit the stage and you'd be ready to go you know yeah so i think part yeah. of it is in in you know that back when any of us started you had one option right you had yeah. bodybuilding 
And if you weren't mm-hmm. big enough for bodybuilding, then guess what? You kept training until you got big enough for bodybuilding, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a that's yeah. a frustrating thing that I like first off, you have two sides of it. Like Ron has said before, if you look at these classic guys, they would have all a lot of these top classic guys would have been great bodybuilders. Oh, crazy bodybuilders. Like, no kidding. They, they have all the but they chose classic because they like it, which is awesome. And obviously they slay in that as well. Um but I think at the same token, the, an annoyance I have is I'll have competitors reach out to me and say, which class would I do best in? I was thinking classic because I'm small. And I'm like, well, you're also blocky and small. So classic is not for you. You're a small bodybuilder. Right. Um, but yeah. before I even get into that, I like to go with, what do you want to be? Because like I wanted to be a freak yeah. from the yeah. first day I decided I wanted to bodybuild. And I was, you know... 200 pounds you know on a heavy frame it wasn't like a huge 200 pounds and all i wanted to do was be a like there was it wasn't even a desire to bodybuild you know which you don't hear often anymore but coincidentally yesterday i'm at the gym we're at a, a new gym and these two young kids came over probably 17 18 years old and without saying a word he goes you're huge and i go thanks i think <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, sorry, just it's a statement, so I don't know how to react. And he goes, Yeah, I go, What what are you are you guys into bodybuilding or what do you what are you trying to do? He goes, I want to be huge. Yeah. And I'm like, I love it. That's that's exactly right. how I started. It was the only thing I wanted to do. You know, I just that was and I feel like that was a difference, you know, like you don't have to be born to be it. You could be 170 pounds, I want to be huge, and you'll be your version of huge at some point. And uh, I wish more people would realize that instead of trying to line up where they'll be most successful out the gate. Yeah. Right. You know, because nowadays, right. I mean, the best way to do that for a guy is just do women's bodybuilding. They can't stop you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they sorry. can't stop you. <laughs> you just have to make one little claim that I can't say on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I also think, you know, like we had another question. It was, uh, should you have abs all year in the off season? Oh, yeah, and that, yeah, right. so, and, and that sort of makes me, reminds me of like what my mindset was. And I was maybe in a position where it was a bad thing, but I always had a pretty lean midsection. So mm-hmm. I could have abs at like 320. Yeah. And then I would but you had abs. convince myself <laughs> that I was like, well, I got abs at 320, so I, I need two more muffins with every meal. Yeah. Because right. the scale's not moving. And then the yeah. scale still isn't moving, so I should order a pizza. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I still got abs at 320. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the physique was a mess. Yeah. You know? And so it, it's, you know, there's a little bit of like, you know, bad strategy on my part, you know, at certain stages in my, uh, in, in my, my chasing of of the dream but yeah it wasn't maybe i shouldn't have eaten as much as i did at some of those points in my life <laughs> Le- not as much of what you did yeah yeah but you know the, we've talked about it before the whole eating to move the scale thing like where you just yep. you like throw a pizza down and then the next day you weigh yourself you're like yep i'm lighter i'm oh, half yeah. lighter yeah so like and then so then that day you're like well i'm half a pound lighter so my normal amount of food's not going to cut it so you're hammering your meals and then you're trying to throw more in drinking juice and eating you know cookies with every meal and just trying to get your calories up and then you know you check your weight later at the gym and you're still 316 
Jesus. <laughs> Rail. And then so you train and then you pound an extra hundred grams of carbs out of the cooler at the gym because you're like, what the hell? And then you, you go home and you shovel food all night and you wake up the next day and you're like, three thirteen. You're like, Jesus. You know, like like I, I remember that. I better order we would be better go out and eat again. So you call some friends, you're like, I gotta go out and eat today. And they're like, Okay, let's hit, you know. Let's hit a big teriyaki binge and you go out to some Korean barbecue place or whatever and pig out. Next day, 312.5. Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was my struggle. Like, just trying, you know, trying to see that scale move up. And sometimes it just like, it's just not moving. And you're putting in so much food. You're going off your diet and you're hammering pizzas. And I just don't, don't know if people realize what we did to move the scale. Like we did anything it took to move the scale. I did, anyways. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you brought that up because um, a question that we were asked was, "What is the biggest mistake you are happy you made in bodybuilding?" And what you're talking about is my biggest mistake in bodybuilding, and I wouldn't tweak it at all. Right. Because you wouldn't I, have got as big. I, I don't think. I really think exactly. I really think when it all comes down. And obviously, there's a genetic you know, component because getting lean wasn't hard once I flipped the switch. But I really think nowadays there's a disadvantage to a lot of younger guys coming up because you are worried about what you look like all the time because, you know, listen, it's the way of the world. You're displaying it on some level all the time. I did not care how round my face looked. Looked like a damn moon. <clears throat> yeah. None of those things crossed my mind. I wore baggy t-shirts. I trained heavy. It was a sloppy mess. But like Ron said, my obsession was becoming as big as humanly possible uh, without, because this, I mean, fortunately, I had good guidance early on, without taking a bunch of gear. It was like, all right, how can I do this being mindful of, of health, at least right. in one way, wasn't too mindful of the McDonald's drive-thru. Um, and then- growing you know and it's it's that's not common anymore like when we joked about the mcdonald's diet and ron laughs and scott laughs if you were to say that now the kids would be like what do you mean because they are jammed with so much information that we weren't that allowed us to make dumb mistakes that we don't regret right right we got big <laughs> exactly like we got big and and uh yeah the mcdonald's diet the inside joke the old guys remember no but think about it like, did you ever did you ever have that point where i remember when someone asked me like what's your current goal it was off season yeah. like not the show what's your current goal and i remember it hit me like immediately and i said i want someone to look at me and not ask if i play sports to know yeah, yeah. i don't want to look athletic at all I yeah. want to look like, like i don't want someone to say oh do you play football or oh are you a wrestler i want to oh you're a bodybuilder and yeah, that there's was only my one first thing you can goal. do. Yeah, why would you do anything else looking like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I remember the first couple times it started happening when people were like, oh, you're a bodybuilder. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> I, I even remember the mindset, like this might sound like hilarious, but I remember the early mindset when I first got into like, you know, cranking and like, oh, I'm going to be huge. Like, you know, you start doing cycles and you're a bodybuilder now. And that's, mm -hmm. I remember, you know, having the big flannel shirt on, you know, and, and, and the big baggies and the, the, the socks with the baggies <laughs> tucked in the fanny pack <laughs> and having just the face just blown out to here. Cause you're running, you know, 40 megs, a good Russian D ball and, <laughs> and, and, 
you just look you look like a guy who's loaded on gear to the average person especially back in the mid 90s because in the mid 90s there was only you know a few guys that were on gear and they were all taking d-ball and they were all taking yeah. D-ball. So you could spot the face like a mile away, right? You look at a guy and you're like, oh, that guy's on the sauce, right? Because he's puffy. But right. we wore it like a badge of honor. Yeah. Like, we didn't care how our face looked. Like, I hear guys now like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, like, um, I don't like to push my test over 400. I feel like my face gets puffy. And I was like, like, like my head just my head cocks to the side like a dog that doesn't understand what his owner's saying. <laughs> like, like, what? What do you mean you don't like your face getting puffy? I don't understand why that's relevant. And like, well, I don't <laughs> like my face getting puffy. Like that never even occurred to us. You expect it to blow up like a pumpkin because yeah. it's off season. It's time to get massive, bro. <laughs> like, and there like, it is. Yeah, and they just uh, like, well, I don't want to be watery. I'm like. Well, then that eliminates like half the drugs I really, really like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to get huge on Anivar and, you know, like, what are you going to do? Like, I don't know. That was just our mindset. Like when you're running like, you know, 750 tests, 40 D ball, you know, like your face can get, who cares? You know, yeah, like, no thought. you know, no Arimidex back then. So no. you just had Novadex if you were if you if you needed like a gyno fix or something. But the water thing that was just you just had to live with that. Like yeah. worry about that eight months from now. Yeah. My so. only concern was the low back tightening up. I'd figure out my my perfect line to where I could train at maximum output without the low back putting me out. That's all I yeah. cared about. We're fine. I, We're fine. Yeah, but yeah. I found that's some. A, old, that's a I great some mistake old. that I don't regret at all. <laughs> I found some old photos of my face pretty blown out at Christmas and stuff with like normal people. My head just looks so humongous, like just the craziest size head. So, yeah. St. Bernard. You know? Yeah. Fun times. You know? Uh, classics. Classics. 22-inch neck. What's next, Scott? We got another one? We've got a bunch from uh, Patreon and from YouTube. Oh, some of those. Uh, Rachel Irons, uh, one of our longtime listeners. Oh, love Rachel. She says, uh, question for the next episode. I'm going into Fire Academy for 16 weeks, Monday through Friday, all day. My coach and I will be coming up with a game plan, how to tackle training and nutrition. But I am curious to know your guys' thoughts on it, too. How would you go about nutrition and training if it were you? Um, well, I'm not totally aware of what she's going to be doing how much physical stuff she's going to be doing when she says fire training. I assume there's a lot of, I bet like climbing stuff. ladders, picking up yeah. dummies that weigh full body, you know, about the weight of a body, yeah. reeling hoses, yeah. all that. So Real like physical. Yeah. Yeah. She might need a ton more carbohydrates or something like that to deal with all the cardio and activity and, you know, just a sheer volume of, of exercise that might be done, you know, in that 16 weeks. So, I mean, this this also sort of reeks of micromanagement to me too. Like my coach and I are going over a game plan. It's like you're going to Fire Academy. Your goal is to destroy Fire Academy. Mm, that yeah. should be your number one priority. Screw training. You can do whatever. Just maintenance train. Focus on Fire Academy. Be the best. Come out of Fire Academy with everyone going, holy shit, that person killed it. Yeah. And that is only done if you prioritize it. So train three days a week. Keep your muscle and your strength uh, so when you come out of the 16 weeks, you're got same physique you went in that should, that could be a goal. Like this is again, assuming there's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning that 
they're climbing stairs it's all like day long camp. with dummies and yeah like boot camp <laughs> you know marines yelling in their face i don't know how it is but <laughs> but but i i always think like if you have a goal like prioritize your goal so that you can destroy it and get the right. best possible result because this is a career move yeah it's yeah. not like a hobby thing like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna learn to skate on the weekends it's like no 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 you're you're going in there to destroy this because this could dictate can this dictate like who wants to Everywhere. hire you after and all that stuff i you'd think so i would make that a priority and i would put training on the back burner believe it but i mean that's a smart move like we always tell people get a career set up get an yep. income like you can once you're once you're a fireman and you're doing your two picnics and two sleepovers <laughs> you get lots of meals and lots of working out so don't worry about it but I, that's what i would do i would make training a maintenance situation and i would probably increase the carbohydrates drastically and like it, it might be you might need a lot more food who knows and again i don't know how fat this person is going in like i don't know where she is for her condition and all that but i i would say that the the, the coaching stuff is is um is almost like a um you know micromanaging what's important there yeah i i actually just did this with a client like two months ago um and literally for that reason um we were training a few days a week and avoiding anything that was going to impact what she was doing the next day so i was trying to yeah. keep an eye on the lower back trying to keep an eye on the legs um and then the big thing that you guys will run into is What's the schedule like when you're there <clears throat> so we can figure out how you can eat when you're there? Because it's not like you're, you're stopping every three hours to eat your food, you know? Yeah. So those are the things you're going to, you know, whether it's to yourself or to your coach, you report back with like, hey, after day one, here's what I realized as far as how busy we were and when we had to eat. Um, they, at least in Arizona, they had like a little bit of a, a schedule to it um, to where I was like, okay, so she's opening up her day like this. So this meal is fine to have before she heads in, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And that's really it. And, and outside of that, I think Ron nailed everything. You, you focus on this and understand something that Lane Norton just put up the other day. Maintaining muscle mass is a lot easier than gaining it. So even over an extended period of time, it takes like a, a quarter or I think a third, I think you said, of the effort to maintain. And we're not talking about five years. We're talking about weeks. Yeah. So mm -hmm. don't stress your muscles not going anywhere. Keep the food coming in and yeah, be very mindful of the goal at hand and the bodybuilding will, will be there when you're done. Yeah. That's yeah. great advice. Great advice. Yeah. I can think of you have to shift your mind to be 100% <clears throat> performance based. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not not cosmetic based. You know? Yeah. You could, it could almost like. get in the way, you know, if you were yeah. just like too oh, bloated and too full all the time, if they are real active. I know that when, uh, when I worked for the pop company and I was doing like a gazillion steps a day, um, fats helped me to, to keep the scale from dropping down too far. And it would be real simple. Like, you know, I mean, I was kind of working on the road, right. Going from store to store. And if I had a shake, mm -hmm. I started adding some olive oil to that. And just like little things like that, you could add a bunch of calories. If you're in mm -hmm. a, if you find, if you guys get into that situation where like the scale keeps dropping and dropping, you know, I mean, carbs are a great thing to sure, but I'm just saying, I think fats helped me a ton, you know, You're, mm. there's an eventual ceiling on your carbs. You can only eat and drink <laughs> yeah. so much carbs. Yeah. Yeah. Fact. Yeah. 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 Okay. That was a good one. What about this hey. one? We had a, like I said, a bunch more stuff. Um, who was the most shredded bodybuilder that you ever saw? 
so <laughs> this question always reminds me of two people. I always think of the same two people. And I'm sure, you know, I've been to 20 Olympias or 19 Olympias since then. And, you know, I'm sure I've seen more shredded people. Um, but you know when somebody really impacts you and mm-hmm. it that sort of burns in your brain as like the most shredded guy you've ever seen? Yep. And uh, I remember it would have been like 95 and I went to a show in Australia. I'd just gotten there and it was a local like Brisbane championships. And there was a guy there and again, his I might be getting his name wrong, but I think his name was Billy Bryson. Bryce, mm-hmm. Billy Bryson for some reason. His name was Billy. And uh, I remember my friend introduced me to him like, oh, Billy is, you know, he's probably gonna, because back then it was like these NABA shows and if you won your class, then they paid for your trip to the universe. Right. And they were like, oh, Billy's just doing this show to get a, a trip to the universe. Like, you know, you know, probably a shoe in to win, <clears throat> you know, whatever, middleweights or whatever. I can't remember. And I, I remember I met him backstage. And so he would have been like, I don't know, he was like 170 pounds or something. Right. But I remember that guy posing. And I, I mean, I'd already seen Dorian a week after the O and I'd seen like a bunch of pros. I'd met Mike Matarazzo. I'd been to Gold's Venice, all that stuff. But that guy was so peeled. Like, I, I just remember thinking like the tendons on his glutes tying into his hams were like visible, like things I'd never seen in a picture. <laughs> and I remember just thinking of um, Hamdullah Akleba, you know, that Egyptian bodybuilder from the yep. 90s, Hamdullah, mm-hmm. how shredded Hamdullah was. That's kind of how he looked, like just crazy glutes, like nothing left. Looks like, and, and of course, 170 pounds, so that sacrificed everything for condition like the most skeletal face i've ever seen all that stuff and i remember he was backstage eating an entire bag of chips ahoy cookies just eating cookies (laughs) just shoveling cookies in and and i was like man and then i asked him like what did you take and he's like a bottle of winnie and some clen okay (laughs) and (laughs) i was like oh that's it he's like yeah and i was like that's amazing you know, and then I remember in 98, I went to the provincials and I was really big. I was like 250 and I thought I was like, oh, no one's going to be able to beat me because I'd won my show the year before to qualify and I went to provincials and I'm like, I'm big, you know, no one's going to beat me. And I remember this guy at the weigh-ins, he had a big beard and a ponytail and he looked real small in his tracksuit, like real small. I thought he was a light heavy. And mm-hmm. they called heavyweights to weigh in, and everyone stood up, and he stood up. And I'm like, that guy's oh, a heavyweight. Man. He looks so small. Yeah. And he was in front of me, and we were walking back behind the curtain to get on the scale. And I remember he was the next guy up, and he took his tracksuit off. And I just instantly was like, oh, my God, he's going to kill everyone. Yeah. And he was just <laughs> so peeled. But he stepped on the scale. He weighed like, I think he weighed like 205, right? <laughs> right. And I was like, Sam and he, you know, bent down to pick his pants up and his hamstrings just went into like another dimension of like suffrage. Like it looked like he dropped 20 pounds of tissue just to get that peeled. And I remember just being completely like, oh, the show's over with like this just ridiculous. And then the next day I showed up and he'd shaved his face. Yeah. Right. And had his hair pulled up in like a real tight ponytail. So he looked real clean and his face was so caved in. I, I was like, oh, my God, how did I miss that, right? Because with the beard, it was like a homeless <laughs> yeah. beard, right? Yeah. 
anyways, he, he wound up just killing everyone. And, uh, and his name was Jay Hutton. He's an old friend of mine. But I remember that, like, I was like, oh, shit, you know? And I asked him, That's who coached you? And he, yeah, I said, who coached you? And he said, oh, Brian did. So I called Brian, and then Brian helped me the next year, and I won the overall. <laughs> so it was just one of those things, right? You know? That's awesome. But those, those two guys, those two guys impacted me a lot when I was young as far as, like, <clears throat> how important conditioning is and how, mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day, nothing else matters, at the, you know, in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love that you have the same thought process as me as far as I think it's because when we were younger something impacted you. Um, because my greatest memory of appeal by I was getting ready for my first show, and just because of my frame, I was a heavyweight, you know. And I'm getting ready for the show, and there was a guy at our gym, and he looked really jacked, but he was like a lot shorter than me. And I would always see him there training. We trained early in the morning because I worked at a car dealership and he, you know, and he did whatever he did. I didn't know. And I would just see him in there and I could just tell he was just Jack, dude, you know. And uh, then about three days out at our old gym, it was kind of like your gym, Ron, where say they're your locker room versus your front desk, like your smoothie counter, about that distance, you know, 15 feet or so from the locker room to there. Well, that was the distance between our locker room and the scale. And uh, one day he came walking out of the locker room in trunks about three days out. And I couldn't help it, like, because I was just a kid. I just walked over and, like, looked (laughs) down at the ground at the scale. And he goes, damn it. And I'm like, what? And he's like... 229 i gotta get down below 225 and i mean it was i mean he was so like dug out and i was like i don't know what this is but i have to stand next to it which is completely (laughs) embarrassing i mean i barely looked like i worked out already and now i'm standing next to this and um I, I just remember, because I was like the kid at the gym that was like getting into bodybuilding, you know? And he's like, you're doing the show this weekend, right? And I said, yeah. And he's like, are you, are you, are you going to do the novice? I said, yeah, and the heavyweights. He goes, that'll be awesome. And he was like, super cool. And I always remembered thinking like, wow. Like, I just had this view that like, why would he even talk to me? You know what I mean? Like, no one knew. I was just a kid in the gym trying to figure it out. And uh, obviously, we go to the show. He annihilates he won the show at weigh-ins, but yeah. you know they have to they have to let you get on. They the always stage, do, I guess. And <laughs> but the, <laughs> but the craziest thing was I'll never remember because his his name was Sean Pollock, and I just remembered thinking, where did he go? You know, because he could have went pro, whatever. So you fast forward a hundred years, and uh, I won my pro card in twenty fourteen, and there's his name. I knew you could do it on the email, on my Instagram, and I'm like, get out. He followed me the whole time, all the way to me turning pro. Oh, and I was that's like, that's crazy. so cool. That is bonkers. You know, because as soon as I saw his name, I'm like, no way. And I clicked the picture and I'm like, that's him. Unreal. That's you crazy. Know? And, yeah, he was just a, a, the first time I, like, I'd seen bodybuilder, but he was the first one, like, freaked me out. I was like, yeah. ooh, that's disgusting. I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Impactful. It's funny because if for people that haven't competed, when you envision what being a competitive bodybuilder will be, 
Um, mm-hmm. You envision somebody who's huge. You you know, we, we think of the guys at the Olympia. We think of the guys that, that in the former magazines. Uh, yeah. You know, we think, <laughs> we think of the biggest guys in the world, you know. And when you get into, like, the NPC, it's those aren't the guys that you usually have to worry about. Super heavyweights. Yeah. You know, present company accepted, present company accepted, (laughs) super heavyweights usually aren't the guys that are going to be in shape. Heavyweights, you might find some heavyweights couple, you know, couple heavyweights. scary. Light heavyweights (laughs) is where the danger is. Now, middleweight is probably not going to win the overall, but But, they're going to be probably pretty peeled, you know, and and it's going to be the guys who are the most dangerous who are wearing the, the baggy clothes and they look like they don't lift weights at all, but you can see the freaking sockets of their eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you yeah, see yeah. those guys, yeah. you see the guy who chews and the striations in his jaws are just, you know, fluttering. <laughs> you know, those yeah. guys are going to be the guys that are, are the biggest danger. And I think that, yep. I think that as non-competitors, people, because maybe I felt this way at one time, people feel like, eh, I couldn't do bodybuilding. I'm not, they, they envision Rolly Winkler. You know, that's what a bodybuilder yeah, yeah. looks like. But you can yep. be, you know, 200 pound guy on stage, you know, whatever. You can be 185 on stage and be a, an absolute killer, you know? Yeah. So I, th- those I remember, are the guys. I remember seeing a female too. I went to, I guess it would have been the 99 Nationals. And I went there because I was going to do the following year national. So I went like, guys, like, okay, let's see how the heavies are, right? And I remember I was sitting in like the fifth row and there was uh, this one woman who'd competed that day in the female bodybuilding because that's all there was, right? Female bodybuilding. And uh, she was sitting like a couple seats down from me and she was eating like, I don't know, bag of chips or something. And uh, she was just chewing and she had her hair pulled up in like a bun. Yeah. And I remember she was just sitting there eating chips and I, I could not stop staring at the side of her face yeah. and her head. It was yeah. blowing my mind. She had striations on her temple, like the muscle flexes when you chew. Yeah. yeah. She had lines on that and her hair was pulled really tight in a bun and you could see the lines through the hair on her head. Wow. Like you could see that the striations were showing through the hair, kind of like a horse. Yeah. Like, you know, a horse has fur, but you can still see the muscle ripples like inside of her head. And and then her jaw was just completely strided. And I remember I could almost see the outline of her her incisors through her lips because her face was so pulled in that she had these bumps right bumps right here. Oh, that were her teeth. (laughs) Because her 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 skin was so thin across here that the the incisors, your fangs, they actually poked out through her 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 face yeah and i remember just like i couldn't stop watching her chew her chips i was just like jesus like (laughs) and and that always impacted me because i i remember for years and years and years i'd be dieting and i'd be like man i'm getting pretty ripped and every once in a while i'd turn my head and i'd just bite and i'd be like i remember that that not ready yet yeah not ready yet crazy you know you know what I want to remind everyone who's watching, especially if you're getting into this, is I don't share the fond memories of the biggest guy or girl I've ever seen if they weren't in shape. And I bring that up because getting nasty, I don't care if you're a, a bantamweight. If you are yeah. inside out sliced and I come to your show, I'm going to I'm find a fan. you. I'm going to walk over and tell you that you were ridiculous. <laughs> 
because I don't care how big you are. I know what it takes to get to that because I've done it. And most people haven't. Hmm. And I really think that that's important because there, even if you have a high metabolism and all these things, there's only one way to get there. And that is to walk through hell slowly. <laughs> and I don't think enough people understand that when they're getting into bodybuilding. It's like, there's oftentimes I see an overall winner. I'm like, yeah, he's the winner. He looks, he's the best of that. Yeah. But whoever's insane, I'm like, there we go. Yeah. Because I know what you did. And and I just, I, I love that. And, you know, I, I want people to push that because I was at the gym yesterday and there was a couple of people talking who had just competed and they were, you know, this, this lady was going on about, you know, what she had to do and, and it not as a bad person, but I wanted to look at her and go, you weren't hard enough, not yeah. even close. And, and that gets lost because we're all so nice now, you know, yeah. there, there was definitely, a, you know, when I, at least my good fortune again of, of who I came up with, I never got compliments until I got one and I knew it meant it, you know, like I said, the first time I trained with JJ Marsh, I did an entire prep with him. And literally right before the show, my last time posing in front of him, I did all my quarters and my mandatories, and he just looked at me and goes, you look fucking good. And he had never said anything, and I knew. I'm like, I'm nasty. And you remember that today. To oh, yeah. You know, you remember that today. Yeah. That's how valuable that was to you. Yeah, and that's how. So I just want people to know to push for conditioning over anything. Because as I always say, you are fatter than you think you are. Just and, keep going. And, and kind of to your point that it, it, if you, even if you don't have the most muscle or even if you aren't the best physique, I, you're, you're going to earn everybody's respect by getting into the oh, best yeah. shape that you can. I don't care how much muscle you have. It's because you, 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 you get, especially guys that don't have a lot of experience, they're afraid that they're going to, you know, they're going to look stupid up there. And I guarantee you that if you are the most peeled guy up there, you're going to be respected no matter what you look like. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen some very small, under-muscled people get in great condition and not only place good, but be respected by everyone around them. That's like, man, your condition's great, you know? Yeah. And it can really, really carry you. So, yeah. My, my guy was Shelby. You know, he's from here in oh, Detroit. Yeah. And I think it was 2008, he was doing Central States, which turned out to be my favorite show to ever compete in. It's in the fall, in October. You get to eat apple or pumpkin pie after that, you know, and then you get to enjoy you know, Thanksgiving and everything. Uh, and, and he was posting on RX Muscle Forums. And, like, he looked ready, like, two months out. And then he looked more ready. And then he got to the point where people were saying, like, You're, you, you don't need to get any leaner. Stop here. And he kept going. And I, I said to myself, I was like, I got to go to the show and see this guy. So I went to prejudging and I introduced myself to him. I was like, hey, man, I've been following, you know, along. He's mm -hmm. just sitting there eating a rice cake. You could literally see the shape of his skull. Like you could see yeah. he was he wasn't he was a middleweight. In fact, I grabbed a picture here. I don't wonder if I can. I remember a, those pictures. The worst. <laughs> it's the absolute worst picture. There's probably better ones than this one out there. But you can see like he was just inside out, inside out peeled. Uh, yep. And that's that's like a video still, but he was yeah, a middleweight. Just terrible, yeah, yeah. And he walked away and you know won the whole thing. And at that point, I realized I was like, okay, so a guy 
who looks like that that has that level of muscle that's when i learned that lesson that you don't have to be the biggest guy to win a show and it's inspiring to me because i I never was the biggest guy at a show in fact i remember i remember at at the time janae now janae now matt crock back then came in into a show wearing this tracksuit that had his name on the back of it and and he's just three times bigger than everybody else and, I, and he had like a whole entourage with him and they were all wearing the outfits and I was like oh shit I guess the show's going to him and with respect he wasn't in shape he, you know I, I wasn't wasn't the guy to worry about yep right I never worry about the guy with the entourage <laughs> 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 simple process simple process uh, that was a, that was I don't know a great question. I, I never wanted yeah I never wanted that I never wanted that noise around me yeah you know okay what's next that was a good one I enjoyed that that was a great one yeah hopefully there was some little seeds of wisdom in there I hope so you know? too what about this one um what's the best uh excuse me <laughs> What's, what's the, the basically uh which what's oh. the best which is also the worst backhanded compliment you ever received dusty oh, wow <laughs> yeah. i didn't say dusty i just felt yeah. i felt like you, you had just a few. threw it in there for fun <laughs> um all right I, I i just the only one i can think of that i always enjoy to this day because i've been asked this multiple times um people will meet me and interact and I've actually had this probably happen two or three times, two for sure, where someone will say, do you ever wish that you would have been more than just a trainer? And I, huh. and I, I, I love when I hear that because, it, you know, just a trainer just makes me smile all by itself. But it also tells me what they assume of success and things that matter. You know, it's like because I don't go to work in a suit or things like that. Um so I, I really enjoy that because I know it's a slap. Like they're trying to be nice because they're saying like you could have been more. It's, you know, they, they mean it as a compliment. Like, oh, you could have done anything and you just did this. Um, and finances aside, I don't think people realize what I consider success, hmm. which is that I do exactly what I want to do every, every day. day. Like if I made half of what I make, this is what I would do. If I made you know, even less than that, this is what I would do. I love doing this. And, and I think that that gets missed by a lot of people. I'm very fortunate that we're in a day and age where it it is lucrative as well, but I just always thought that was a great uh, stab because they are being, they're trying to be nice. They're like, Oh, you're not as dumb as I thought or whatever it might be. (laughs) But (laughs) you know, it's just an interesting uh, comment, but also I think it shows a, sheltered understanding of a that everyone thinks success is the same thing because that's something we hammer all mm. the time especially with a girl going to college like i remind taylor every single day that success is not money like don't get confused you know what i mean and, and right. i'm sh- assuming that that person's like oh you could have been a lawyer or you know or oh, whatever yeah <laughs> but you're just a trainer i was like yeah that's not too bad i like it yeah yeah yeah, definitely. I I also have had, I don't know. Well, I mean, the, the, the most common one is like, oh, you're actually pretty smart. <laughs> like, you know, you see you heard someone said it to you? They, they just well, I never heard that. Bodybuilder yeah, it, and nice. it would usually be someone who, like, 
I was meeting through some other channel that had no idea who I was and they just see right. me. Then their instant thought was, oh, this 300 pound monkey. And then right. maybe they're stuck, maybe they're stuck talking to you for 10 minutes and you know, you're chatting with them and they're, I've seen the look. They're like, oh, this guy's carrying a conversation with me. Like I've seen people that look surprised, you know, and English. then the odd one, I'll just say something dumb. Like, oh, you keep <laughs> talking to you. You're like, you're pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, oh, buddy. That's great. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. You know, yes. that sort of thing. I wish I had more time to load this question because I probably could have fired off like 30 because I've been, I've been insulted in a nice way so many times <laughs> in my life. We can make it a, a re- my, reoccurring topic. Yeah, we could just keep, you know? I just, every time I remember, I'll write one down because I do think it's great because the, the great,